The Fake Show is brought to you by Hash House Agogo, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, Bruce City Brand Apparel, The Food Connection, LV.com, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. One of the greatest keyboardists of all time is Rick Wakeman of Yes, which is why his services were always in such high demand in the studio with the likes of Cat Stevens and the late David Bowie. Now Rick is back on the road with John Anderson and Trevor Rabin. Let's welcome Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Rick Wakeman to The Fake Show. Rick, how are you today? All right, my friend. How are you, sir? Very good. I have to congratulate you on going into the Rock Hall. Finally, I know that your comments were very similar to the band Chicago in that after so many years, you just thought, you know, it really doesn't matter to us. But have you had a chance to reflect on that since you were inducted? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I always, always, I, I mean, I I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a, it's a, it's a great institution, but I, I have... My reservations were, um, firstly, on the number of people who uh, have been an important part of bands. Um, who, when the bands were inducted, they were they passed away and were no longer, you know, part of it. You know, which, you know, I can uh, I can sort of mention like Keith Moon and I can mention John um, John, my great friend John Lord, who contributed so much to Deep Purple. Yeah, and sadly. You know, was not here to, to to, and I know he was a great friend, and I know he would, he would have been very honoured. Um, you, you know, you can you can take, uh, you can obviously take Chris Squire. You know, and the list is quite is quite long of people who who did make it. And you know, I think my own, my only comments were, you know, perhaps things like, um, you, you know, if a band has contributed and deserves to be inducted in, you know, sometimes why wait such a long time? Uh, and then important members uh, just don't get a, a a chance for the honour of being inducted, and uh, you know especially for Chris. I mean, the band's 50 years old. Um, you, you know, when you look at the so-called criteria of what it what a band has to do to you know to get in and its contribution, I think you know you know I think well I think yes yes should have been in, and, I, and this is nothing to do whether I was in the band or not. I think yes should have been in. You know, years ago, and certainly Chris being a founder member, he would have been so proud. Uh, I'd just like them to look at, you know, to look at that. Um, that that's all, really. Uh, as regards, you know, you wait an awful long time. I'm, I really class it as the music getting inducted more than the individuals, and uh, because it's the music at the end of the day, in fifty hundred years' time, that people will look back on and go, well, what, what did they contribute? What did that music contribute? So I was just really pleased because, like you know, obviously being biased, I do think prog's been a little bit overlooked, yeah, and, and I think its influence, its influence on all rock music, has been phenomenal over the years, and you know, maybe should have gone in before, but you know, uh, having said that. I was so proud for Yes Music to get to get in. I really was. I read an interview that you did, and you somebody had asked you about uh, your former bandmate Chris Squire, and I thought it was very funny what you said, and that his timing was bad. If we had to leave for a ride to the airport at ten in the morning, you could bet that he'd be there at by noon in the hotel lobby. <laughs> yeah, well, Chris was notorious. His timekeeping was absolutely notorious. Yeah. Uh, and John actually asked him once, John actually said to him, Chris, why are you always so late? And his answer was actually quite brilliant. He said, well, I don't like waiting for people. <laughs> and we went, we just went, well, Chris, this is so disrespectful. 
you know, uh, but he, it was it was one of his quirks. It drove us all completely mad. I mean, we missed planes. I mean, in the end, in the in the last the last time I was with with John, when there was John, Chris, Steve Allen, and my, my, myself, we just uh, handed him his his air ticket and say, "See you there." That's hysterical. That that helped a little bit, but not much. I've always wanted to ask you, Rick, what it was like to work. You've you've worked with so many different people, and what it was like to work with David Bowie on Space Oddity. Well, that was the it, I'd mentioned once before. But it was the first thing that I did with him. That was in nineteen. 69, beginning of 69, and I did Mellotron on, on Space Oddity with him, and uh, he was, it was really, he was really calm whilst I was there, and I did the, that session for him, he said, uh, Tony Visconti uh, uh, has played me some of your piano work that you've done with him on sessions for different people, and he said, would you like to do some piano with, with me, and I said, I'd love to. And so I went on and did um, tracks like Wild Eyed Boy from Free Cloud and Memory of a Free Festival and a few things like that. And then he called me up for the Hunky Dory album. And I went around his house and I was really honored. I was, you know, I sat at his piano at his, his house. He took out this battered 12 string and just played all the tracks that were going on, um, going to go on Hunky Dory just on this, this uh, acoustic 12 string. And, you know, they were the, just remarkable. And I just, I said to him, Did, I said, these songs are fantastic. And then he said, try this one. And he played Life on Mars. And I nearly fell off the stool. Oh. And it's still to this day, I think it's one of the most classic songs of all time. And he was fantastic. He said to me, you know, I want this album to be much, you know, much more piano orientated than previous albums, which have been, you know, guitar, acoustic guitar orientated. Really. Right. He came from the, from the uh, folk world, of course. And uh, and he said, so with Life on Mars, he said, uh, you, you, you play what you like, treat it as a piano solo almost. And then, and I'd sing around it and work it. So it was, I mean, a lot of people have said, oh, it must have been really, really difficult to work the piano around everything else that was going on. Truth of the matter is, everybody had to work around me. You know, but, so I, right. I had a great job. But uh, we became great friends. I did... Uh, absolute beginners with him you know, back in the 80s and, and when I lived in Switzerland we were near neighbours and used to when, when we were both back off tour we used to meet up a lot in a little club called the Museum Club in Montreux and put the world to rights he, he was a he was just a, a, a wonderful guy. He really was. Well, and I'm not sure that a lot of people know this, but didn't uh, David Bowie ask you to be in his band right about the time you were getting ready to join Yes? The same day. Wow. It was the same day. I'd, I'd been with uh, the guys in Yes during the during the day, and uh, we, we were just trying a few things out, and then uh, and I was going to give them a, 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 a decision as to you know to you know how I felt about everything, which and I I thought it was great. I, I loved working with them on the on the rehearsal day that we had, and uh, that evening I said, look, I'll see you tomorrow, guys, because I'm off to meet. David Bowie tonight. He wants to have a chat with me, and I met with David and Mick Robinson. And, and David said we're forming Spiders, a band called Spiders from Mars. I want you and Mick to, you know, to form it and play it with, with, with Woody and Trev, you know, the guys. And, <clears throat> and I went, oh wow. And he said, you look a bit shell shocked. I said, yeah. I said, I've just been asked to join Yes as well on the same day. And he said, uh, he said, well, he said you've got a de- decision to make. And I went laughing, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know. And I, and I went home and, uh, you know, I slept on it and I got up the next day and, you know, I pretty much made a decision on driving home from where I met David and Mick. You know, there's, much as I love 
David Bowie and playing his music and working on his records. And also, you know, he is—he was the most influential person I ever worked with. I learned so much from David and from Tony Visconti as, as to how to work in studios, how to treat other musicians, how to treat the music. I learned virtually 90% of what I what I put in practice in the studio. I learned from David and Tony Visconti. And I thought, be great to play in a band, be great to play David's music, which I love, but that's as far as I can go. I can't go to another state, because obviously it will be David's music, because it's David's, David's band. And I thought, well, within yes, and yes, one as big as David at the time. And I thought, within yes, I've got an opportunity to put in my own uh, feelings, some of my own music, help with the writing, help with the arranging. And there's a bigger ceiling. There's a higher ceiling of where what is what is possible. And uh, <coughs> I told David, and he actually he actually said to me, he said, absolutely the right decision. He said, 100% the right decision. And in fact, many years later, in about 19. 77, 78, we were in the museum club in, in Montreux, where we both were, and I asked him again, he said, you made such a right decision. He said, as you, as you see, he said, I changed the band anyway. He said, I changed the band around a few years later. He said, so, you know, obviously it was the right decision for you, and he said, I, he said, I think it was the right decision for both of us. He said, it's wow. proven that. It was, it, was a, it was an amazing, amazing time. It must have made you feel good, too, to, to see him all those years later and have him say, you made the right decision, to give you a little peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. And I saw him quite a few times up, you know, over the years, um, you know, uh, I would just to say hello and have a, have a chat. Um, but, um, I mean, the one thing I will, I will say, I and mean, I've said these accolades to him, which I've... Uh, you know, which come from the heart, and you know, I, always, I often say to people, I say, "Well, these accolades aren't just because he's now no longer with us." You know, if you look back over things I've said, I said all this when he was alive. You know, um, because uh, sometimes we give accolades to people after they've gone. Luckily, David had a lot of his while he was still alive. Certainly. Uh, so, as the story goes, John Anderson, when he got ill in 2005 and couldn't perform at that point, the other guys in Yes still wanted to continue playing and going on the road, but you wanted to wait until John was available again? That's correct, yeah. I didn't feel that... I didn't feel it was morally right, um, and I didn't feel it was... I just didn't feel it was right. I mean, John had been very ill. I mean, it was, he was over a year in recovery. I mean, he was very, very ill, and I just didn't think it was right to go out and play. And also, you know, I, I've always had this, this feeling, and this is nothing against the other guys playing or whatever, but um, there are certain bands that if you take the, the voice away, which is often the focal point of, of any band, the sound-wise, um, you, you know, I mean, can you imagine Led Zeppelin without Robert Plant? Right. You know, can you imagine The Who without Roger Daltrey? You know, you can go through quite a few bands where, you know, it's difficult. I mean, uh, Brian May is one of my closest friends, and, and he'll be the first to tell you how difficult it is with, with no Freddie. You know, um, and, and I couldn't imagine a yes without John singing up front. So I passed, and I said, no, guys, I, 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 I can't do this for for moral and, and musical reasons. There was no animosity or anything like that. In fact, they were looking for... Uh, Chris called me and said, well, can you recommend a keyboard player who could do it? And I said, well, you know, not trying to keep it in the family, but both my sons would be capable. I said, Adam and Oliver, you won't get Adam because Adam's with Ozzy. Ozzy Osbourne and has been for many years. If I'm yeah. still with him now, 15, 16 years later. And I said, so Adam's not going to go because he loves what he does. Uh, I said, Oliver, 
Uh, Steve knows Oliver well. They've done an album together. So uh, I, I said he's very capable of, of, of doing a job. And so they, they called Oliver. So when people say it was a big argument and, and a lot of animosity, there wasn't. I mean, because I, 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 you know, I got Oliver the job. I just, I just uh, you know, personally felt it was morally and musically a wrong thing a wrong thing to do a few years later when he was getting getting better we did a, a, a duo album together called the living tree and did three tours with it and it was nice to see him slowly get back to health well we're so glad that you and john and trevor rabin are are back out there doing it again we really can't wait to see you again tour dates ticket info available at yes featuring arw.com always a pleasure catching up with you rick and good luck on the tour thank you thank you very much that's very kind thank you very much bye-bye cheers bye you know with all of rick wakeman's amazing works including those great yes albums like fragile and close to the edge and all of that session work why is he not Sir Rick Wakeman at this point? And shame on the Rock Hall for taking this long before finally admitting yes. Well, that is the end of this episode of The Fake Show. We always appreciate it when you share and like our Fake Show Facebook and Twitter pages. I'm Jim Tofty. See you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.